episode 107 as we move into the middle well actually the end of january which is hard to believe ted klopp ken dwarsnick ted yeah. shout out i got a couple good ones for cleveland sports jerseys for this month okay uh, i should say for this week can you think of any from obviously guardian slash indians for number seven um for number seven um Kenny Lofton. Well done. Well, yeah. Well done. Al Rosen was another one. Oh, okay. And this one could be my all-time favorite Indian. Jake, Jake Taylor. Oh, Jake Taylor. In the yes. movie. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, Jake Taylor. So for Cleveland Browns, Jacoby Brissett, that's basically all I got. I didn't yeah. really want to look at too much. And then for the Cavs, one of my favorite Cavs of all time. Favorite names that is Bingo Smith. B I N G O and Bingo was his name. Oh, such a great player. Now we don't have a show on the twenty fourth, so we're going to talk about Roger Dorn now. I can if you want to. I don't know. I just you know. I mean, one of the bend over Dorn. Jesus Christ, Dorn, get in front of the ball. (laughs) God, that flick Uh, is. That's one of those you know, and everyone has those movies. When you see it on TV and you know you've seen it like 85 million times, but you still stop and watch it. I, Absolutely. I just, that is one of those for sure. Absolutely. I don't know. I got a guy. Hey, how would you like to manage the Indians this year? I don't know. I got a guy on the other line that wants to talk about a set of white walls. I'll oh, call you back, gosh. okay? Such a great flick. I had the sequels are not the same, you no. know. They did the first one, nope. and then they had the second one, and nope. and they were back to the minors, and uh, that all, was it was all in the first one. Oh all crap! In the first one. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of sports, uh, we had I, I know this will come as a shock. We had a big hockey weekend. Okay. And I was pretty excited because, um, in my opinion, my oldest son was a goalie, took some steps forward this weekend and uh, improved his play. So we've been working with him. I've been working with him. That's awesome. And, uh, I was excited uh, that he – I thought he played his one or two best periods of the season. He splits time with another goalie. He gave up one goal in his period this uh, yeah, uh, on uh, Sunday, and he was screened. Not that that's an excuse, but it's yeah. hard to stop the puck when you can't see it. And other than that, I mean, he was sticking his nose in there. He didn't seem to be afraid of the puck. All things we've been working on. So, was uh, I was very that was that's a awesome. very proud uh, proud dad moment. Well, here, I'll tell you how good he played. So, start of the second period. We had a penalty, and I think we got six penalties that period, and they each overlapped by about 20 seconds. So for half the period, we were either down one or two men. Oh, geez. He didn't give up a goal until well after that. Good for him. After the game, two different kids, while we were on the ice, I was running the penalty box, and so I was walking off the ice Two different players from our team with him behind them just smiling came up and Mr. Klopp, he you owe him ice cream. He earned ice cream today. 
his he played so well, you gotta get him ice cream. So that was right. that was pretty cool. I mean, I well, guess when your teammates say you've earned ice cream, you played pretty well. I think so at that age, no doubt. That's like yeah. the getting the gold medal. How often do you work the sin bin for the hockey games? All the time? Uh, I would say three quarters of the time. It That'd be a cool seat. You else. see a lot of stuff and hear a lot of stuff there. That, I that do. I do. That'd be I, a good time. It's it's fascinating for me because I get to hear what the coaches are saying and kind of what's going on, you know, what are the referees saying? What are they doing? And um, I was happy because last night, you know, the, well, depending on the ring, sometimes it's on the opposite side, but last night it was right next to the uh, – uh, uh, bench. And so when my son went into the game in the second period, the coaches, I mean, what are the coaches going to say to the goalie? Stop the puck. Correct. So yeah. I called him over and I've said the same thing to him the last few times. I've said, think about what the goalie coach is talking to you about and let's build on what you've done so far. Let's just try to be better than we were in the last game. Great know, advice. Nice. Basic, simple. Yep. And he just, you know, he listened exactly to what I said, and he nodded, and I said, okay, go. And so far, seems to be working. You're developing a young a young Ron Hextall. That's, you. uh, God, wouldn't that be something? I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's what we're looking for, but, uh, but yeah. And uh, it's always interesting when the kids come to the box and give you their interpretation of whether they got a penalty or not and yeah. things like that. You know, sometimes they're just like, hey, what do you call me for? Uh, you know, uh, roughing. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> and then you get You're the on. opposite. Yeah. I didn't do anything. And he, 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 he the, clear, the kid clearly leaned his shoulder. Oh, I didn't do anything. He tripped on the blue line. Okay. So, yeah, but uh, that was pretty exciting. I love the excitement. Yeah. yeah. Now this, by the way, and I should have asked this, you're talking about your son, Fritz. Is that correct? That is correct. My eldest okay. son. You do have, is, just so uh, our listeners Alexa. at home know, you have three sons that all play goalie. Well, two of them play, play it, and uh, the youngest, uh, well, I got a story about that. So the youngest uh, is a mite. That's the uh, low, low, youngest level of hockey. I love the terminology, and, by the way. Yeah, it's yeah. Mite, squirt, kiwi, yep. bantam. Yep. Bantam's the only one. It's like, what the heck is a bantam? Yeah. The others are, you know. But anyhow, so they have that one in boxing too. Yeah. So Hans um, plays goalie on the mite team, and when you're a mite goalie, yeah, you go down and you stand up, but you kind of you're kind of standing there. And oh, the puck's coming towards me. I mean, the kids will stand with their arm on the on the goal, you know, like they're they're at the bar, casually standing there. And I've asked Hans why he likes being the goalie, and he says they thank me. Okay, and I say, well, what don't you like about being the goalie? They score on me a lot. Okay, that's so. So next year he's going to be a squirt. He'll move up a, an age bracket. Mm -hmm. And so the coordinator had me bring him to uh, practice for with the squirts one time. So I called him afterwards. This was this past week. And I said, how'd, the, how'd it go? There's a long pause. And he says, I said, you can tell me if, he, if it didn't go well. He said, I would call it a 
failed experiment. Said, okay. <laughs> he said, yeah, he was stopping everything with his skates. And I said, well, he may not know the butterfly where you go down with your legs. Right. Uh, butterfly out to the side, for lack of a better term. And I said, okay, you know, well, I'll, I'll see what he thought. So he, I go come home and talk to my wife. And he's telling her he had a great time. He wants to go back. You know, he wants to do it again. Practice with the older team. When can he go back? And he thought he only let about 10 shots in the entire practice. So I text this to the hockey coordinator, who, as we like to say, is fluent in sarcasm. Yes. I text him that uh, he says he only let 10 shots in, and the hockey coordinator texts back, there were only 11 shots. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, that's... Uh, well, he only let it 10. He didn't let hey, it... You know. 11 he wasn't lying gotta start somewhere gotta be positive i heard I that it. you know uh he'll the cocky coordinator will will stand in the box sometimes and if i'm if he's if uh hans is uh goalieing a mic game and he makes a save i pull out i can't think of the announcer but i'll say oh saving a beauty <laughs> marv <laughs> albert baby that was he marv albert. looks at me the coordinator just looks at me Oh, so, yeah. saving a beauty. Oh, that's gosh, what we got. Yep, love it. Well, coming up on this week's show, we're going to find out about a DNA test on Santa. Hmm. A movie screen bigger than an airplane's wings, and a high school where the lights are on, always on. All that plus, we'll talk to our friend Colin Forgotch about uh, uh, Cleveland sports. Kevin Davis has his four pillars of health. He'll talk to us about that. We've got Cleveland sports memories, the Cleveland calendar, and Cleveland history. A lot of Cleveland coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. What does a man consider a seven-course meal, a pizza, and a six-pack? This has been a woman's perspective. Time for another Cleveland history lesson, and our Cleveland historian, John Grabowski, is back with us. And, John, today we have a uh, a, a an event that is... Uh, probably infamous is maybe the better word than famous here in Cleveland. The uh, Balloon Fest event back in 1986 that involved, uh, well, I don't want to steal your thunder, but thousands of balloons in downtown Cleveland. Is that uh, is that a, a good starting point? No, you have to you have to multiply that exponentially, Tim, <laughs> in terms of the number of balloons. Okay. And uh, this is one of the points in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland had gone through a really rough spot in the 1970s with default and everything else. And it was coming back in the 1980s. And uh, Balloon Fest was one of those things that they felt would really promote the city and help really raise the image of the city. So uh, the plan was to get the world record, if you will, of the release of the largest number of balloons ever. And so a corps of volunteers with heaven knows how many helium tanks sat there in front of public square. And uh, the, the estimate is basically they, they, they inflated about 1.5 million balloons. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, holding them up to the tank and then tying <coughs> them. And then they let them go. And there's a huge net in front of the terminal tower that they caught the balloons. It had this whole mass of balloons in it. And this was done for a very good cause. It was done to promote United Way, the annual fund drive. And this was, was going to, you know, give Cleveland a bragging rights for the largest balloon fest ever. It was going to help United Way. And um, I mean, there's a great film of this. And um, and, and you know, they did the countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and they, they opened the net and the balloons started to rise except uh, the weather had changed and, and there was a strong wind blowing and it began raining. And almost immediately, the balloons began to be driven to the ground, which, which sounds like, okay, that's not a problem. Uh, but they blew northwards over the lake and uh, several things happened. They, they started ending up on the shoreway and, and drivers couldn't see where they were driving. Oh my gosh. Uh, there, there were several accidents on the shoreway. A huge number of them landed in the lake. And this was at the time when the Coast Guard was looking for two missing boaters. Oh, no. and they could not identify the boaters amidst the balloons in the lake. Um, and, and it was an absolute catastrophe. And, uh, you know, some of the balloons stayed aloft. Some of them ended up in Canada. Some of them went south. One ended up in Medina. Some ended up in Medina County. And, and they spooked a horse and the horse ran into a fence or something. And the owner of the horse sued balloon fence for the uh, balloon fest for the cost of the horse. So this this became a major news. And and to take it to the present, I've, I've actually worked in the past with documentary makers from California who are doing documentaries on balloon fest. And uh, this is before the ecology of releasing balloons came up. Um, you know, what happens with all that rubber when, when it comes down that latex um and and so that that has affected these these mass releases ever since but this is one of these things that that was set up to really put cleveland on the map and unfortunately it it, it did so but in in a negative way and the repercussions you know lasted for for months the legal repercussions and everything else on it so yeah that was balloon fest 1986 Wow. So, John, I, obviously I've seen some documentaries. I've seen some information about that. And I was very familiar. I was a little bit younger when that whole thing happened. I guess at the end of the day, you mentioned this was because of a United Way thing. Who was the person behind this? Is there one person that said, hey, let's do this. I think this is a great idea. And let's find a way to do it. Who would be that person? I, I don't know, Ken. I don't know if it was the head of United Way. And I don't know who the United Way head was at that point. My guess, and this is just a suspicion, so this is not factual, is that it was probably, you know, United Way had this idea and, you know, and a group of people maybe at United Way proposed it and then they worked with the city and got all the permission. So, you know, if it was one person's idea that became, you know, a, a collaborative effort to get this going, and certainly it took it. And, and the one thing, too, is that they had I must have been thousands of volunteers coming to inflate these balloons. Yeah. I mean, if you see the pictures of the volunteers, it's the pastiche of Cleveland. It was everybody, every every group of people you could imagine in Cleveland coming there to do this for the city, and 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 it went awry. Heaven knows what would have happened if the weather were better. I mean, it yeah. would have all floated away. They would have landed independently, but it just was. It's kind of oh, I say this with a great deal of caution. It's like Cleveland's Hindenburg. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, if there's one thing we know from living here in Cleveland, 
you can blame the weather for an awful lot of problems. And there's <laughs> one, right? Yeah, well, you can sure do that. Yeah. 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 All right, John. Well, uh, the 1986 Balloon Fest, a uh, memorable event in Cleveland. And we thank you for uh, uh, the 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 insight. Thank you. You're welcome. It's it's almost as good as Mayor Perk's hair catching on fire, but that's another Ted, we have some good news mm. for a girl in Rhode Island. She okay. came up with a pretty good way to determine if Santa is real. Oh, oh. This is big news. <laughs> she sent a partially eaten cookie and some carrot sticks to her local police department and asked if they could be DNA tested. The chief forwarded the evidence to the Rhode Island Department of Health Forensic Sciences for analysis, and the results are in. How oh, about this? The department says it was not able to definitively confirm or refute the presence of Santa. But investigators say that we all agree that something magical may be at play. Of course. While no complete matches were found, there was a partial match to a 1947 case centered around 34th Street in New York City. The oh. lab, the, the presence of the DNA closely matching reindeer when testing the carrots. There it is. Something magical is at play. I absolutely love this story. This is great. <laughs> this is great. That is a smart young lady right there. Yes, it Saves is. Saves the cookie, sends it in for analysis. You can't get anything past her. Why not try it through science? Very impressive. Time for another edition of Kids Talk, where we bring in one of our favorite guests, Colin Forgotch, the Cleveland kid. As today, we're going to talk about two of his favorite teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Colin, first off, thanks for taking the time. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. As the time of war, when we're recording this podcast, the Cavs are 31 and 21. Nice record. Fifth in the East. They have a home record of 21 and five at home. They look unbeatable. But on the road, a bit of a struggle, 10 and 16. Uh -huh. What's your thoughts on the team overall right now? What are, what are you thinking? When we have our home crowd, we can win. Anytime. We can win because we put our crowd into it and we win. But away, when we don't have that momentum from, like, people cheering from us, I don't know, we just can't get a groove in or going. And it's just, like, it's hard to watch sometimes when we're away. I would agree with that. Uh, the part I don't understand is that at times they could look like a completely different team. It, really, to be honest, I it's hard to answer that because there's it's just it really is hard to comprehend because we're playing outstanding one way. The other way, we can't do a legit anything. And I think definitely with like like the Bulls game yesterday, like was absolutely insane. But yeah, they had they had four of their starters out. And the Warriors, when we played them, we still could have beat them. And they had what like three of their starters out? Like it was just like I don't know what like is up with like we need to be able to play good when we're when we don't have our home crowd compared to when we have our oh like when when we're away, like it's just uh, for some reason we just can't get a groove going. I will say the highlights so far this season, obviously Donovan Mitchell, my concern with him, and I imagine you probably agree is just his injury situation. Mm -hmm. He's got the a groin. That's just going to be a, a hindrance. I think the rest of the year, um, but I, yep. I think the one guy that I'm super impressed with, and maybe I'll get your feedback on him here is uh, Evan Mobley. Boy, he's really oh, no. like, yeah. he's really stepped up and he's starting to score a little bit more and, 
and obviously his defense rebounds, but what's your thoughts on Evan? I mean, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. Like last year, I was like, I thought he was like amazing. I was so angry when he didn't win rookie of the year. But like, I don't know, it was just, I was shocked because this year I was like, it's kind of annoying. Like I, I like wanted a last year's Evan Bowman because I thought Evan Bowman last year was played better. Then randomly he just comes out of nowhere and is just averaging like, like 20 points a game. And it just came out of absolute nowhere that he could finally be able to shoot. Like he never was able to like, like shoot that he can. Now he's doing all these like fadeaways from like the like mid range. Like I was, I'm impressed. Yeah. His, his overall game is getting much better and his assists are going up. I mean, I know the other night yeah. he had a double, double, but he's yes. starting to distribute the ball. And obviously defensively, I think he's very strong. What other players oh, in your opinion, besides let's take Mitchell out of the mix. What other players have you been surprised with? Um, positively with the Cavs so far? I would just say from yesterday, shouting out Chetty, he went off. 29 points, career high, and three-pointers, seven for seven. I mean, he just – especially it was cool because it was on Turkish Heritage Night. I mean – That's right. I, I've, I've been – I actually am very impressed with him this year. I thought he's been playing really good, um, stepping up when we need him to make, like, threes or whatever, like – Whatever we need him. Uh, who else? I was, I, to be honest, I don't know if there's anyone else. Like, I feel like mostly I was expecting what was going to happen. I knew we were going to have a great season with Mitchell. I mean, I thought, I knew like our starters were going to go great. I thought, oh, Okoro. Okoro, I thought last year I was like, this guy's not good. He can't play defense. And then he stepped it up fully, making shot after shot. I mean, he's looking great th- this year, too. No, I agree. He's he's been a nice surprise, and they've needed somebody at that small forward spot. It just seems like they just can't yeah. get someone consistently that could score and rebound. Your thoughts? I mean, just after the All Star break is the trading deadline. Your thoughts? What pieces do you think would help the Cavs? You know, certainly in a stretch run as they move towards the playoffs. See, here's the, the thing with the Coro is, I feel like he can shoot. I still feel like the rebounds lack. I don't feel like. He's more of a perimeter. He's more of a perimeter guy that just stays in the three point line. He needs to get down. He can't get rebounds. I, that's in my opinion. The thing is, there's been talk with losing Chetty, and I don't want to lose Chetty because he's a beast. I think he's like he's like one of the most underrated player, like and like underrated bench players in the NFL, in the NFL, NBA. But I don't know. I just but then we can't also give away like draft picks anymore because he lost so many giving away uh, giving it away to uh, Utah for yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. I don't really know if I want to like advance anything unless we just pick up like a. Uh, I feel like we should just pick up another guy or like some just like middle of the pack guy that we could have. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's been so many rumors out there, and just you, all you could do is go on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you want to do. And there's a rumor for this. You know, there's packages of the Cavs trading Karis LeVert and Chetty Osman and yeah, I put them on over to Utah and trying to get Malik Beasley. Then they talked about Tim Hardaway Jr. So I think you're correct. I think the Cavs, I'm not going to say they're stuck, but they can't make the moves like they have in the past because they don't have the draft capital that they once did. So yeah. we'll see what happens. You know, maybe there's an expiring contract. They do have a couple. I mean, Karis LeVert and Kevin Love, that's another guy, too. They're expiring contracts this year, so maybe yeah. they can make some moves with that. But I don't know. We'll see. I think what you see is a nucleus and what the team is right now, I have a feeling is going to be what we see the rest of the season. I, just, I don't know if anyone would want Kevin Love. I mean, we've had him, and he's just he's starting to die down now that, now that he's getting older, and I just feel like he's not, like, what teams would want. I don't feel like anyone would want to trade for him. But, like, I don't know. Too. I just don't. I don't think we'll make any moves. I I mean, it would be cool to see, but I really don't think we'll make a move. 
Yeah, I think you might be right on that. Well, once again, Cavs 31 and 21. It is certainly exciting to watch compared to what we've seen in the oh, past. Yeah. Right, Colin? I mean, I, I mean, I want to turn the games on if they're playing, you know, the Lakers or if they're playing Brooklyn. I mean, any of these teams before would just, you know, run us off the court. And and now, you know, we have the ability to, to play with any of these teams. So it is exciting basketball. To- I mean, like, I yeah, I haven't felt this since 2018 when last year of LeBron. Like, I felt yeah. this excitement from the Cavs. Well, super exciting. So we'll see what happens with them. We'll have you on again to talk about, you know, maybe some moves that they make or what happens after the all-star break and and all that. So now we're going to move on to another fan favorite team of yours, the Cleveland Brownies. So finish the season seven and 10, surprisingly three and three in the division, which I thought was very good. In my opinion, was kind of tough to watch that last game against Pittsburgh was I don't know. It was almost like a practice. Like, like they were just trying different things and things like that. Oh yeah. Overall seven and 10 Deshaun Watson, obviously playing the last parts of the season. What's your thoughts on, on what you saw from the Browns? Mixed emotions. I feel like we definitely couldn't have played better. I mean, I was thinking we would play better. I mean, if you want to be hundred percent honest, this is definitely not everyone thinks the same way, but I really did not think Watson played bad. I thought he played great. I mean, when you haven't played football in 700 days, you're going to be a bit rusty. I'm just waiting for an extra heat. I think he's I think he's going to be a bit back to where he was leading the – I don't think he's going to be leading the NFL in passing yards. He's going to be about to where he was, like, playing, leading the NFL in passing yards. Like, he's going to be back when he's actually throwing to receivers. He's able I think to. You're, I think you're right because – and once again, the quarterback game is so different. I think we talked about this the last time you and I had the time to discuss some things. If you're thrown into the mix with a bunch of guys that you haven't done anything with, you're not going to gel. It's going to take you a while. And and there were some signs of of different things. But if you've not played for over two years of football, the only way you get better at football is playing football. And that's in in games and practices are completely two different things. You know, and I I do think a whole offseason will make him much better. He still certainly has the skills. He can run. I think they can do different offensive packages. Yeah, And I think the Browns, and I want to get your opinion on this. I think there's a good nucleus of offensive players that they have that I think can make him excel. Obviously, outside the offensive line, yeah. I'm talking about the skill guys. I mean, like, we have, if we don't lose Kareem Hunt, I'm saying he's more of a, he's a great receiving back. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, I mean, Amari, if he can step up, like what he did those last few games of the season, that's going to be amazing. Then plus, I mean, DPJ, I thought, had a, bit of a shaky year this year but if he could do what he was doing like earlier in his career like just played outstanding then I really think we're going to be amazing if Anthony Schwartz can actually catch a football I'm not trying to be down on him I just feel like he just has like rough like he could run out I mean he's one of the fastest players in the game but it's just he struggles if he's getting locked up he's not gonna be able to catch the football he's he's a track star but unfortunately he can't get the ball in his hands when you talk Maybe about not. the receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones, yes. Amari Cooper, yes. And I, obviously you have to throw the tight ends there. I was a little disappointed with the usage of David Bell. I think David Bell can actually oh, be no, a yeah. very good slot receiver. He's a possession receiver. You don't have anybody that could go long. You just don't. Yeah. You have no deep threat. And so I think if they can find that, that'll certainly help. Yeah, David Bell, I forgot about him, but he is, I really think he is a beast. If you could get him to actually play, yeah. he is outstanding well let's look at the other side of the ball the defensive side which was a bit of a mess as many people know as they listen to this podcast joe woods was let go they brought in jim schwartz i think he's certainly a a nice injection of 
positivity and uh, accountability for the defensive side of the ball. What's your thoughts? I want to get hate for this. Okay. This is why you're on. We want your opinion. I hate Joe Woods. I'm so happy we got him out there. I hated him this whole year. My (laughs) funny part is my mom would know. If she is, she's probably, she's going to listen to this. I hated him all year. He just, we we have, to be honest, we would have a top 10 defense if it wasn't for him. Our defense, I mean, yeah, we struggle with injuries, but I mean, look at our defense. Like, Grant Delpin's great if he's playing. Denzel Ward, by the end of the year, when he was healthy, he was playing absolutely outstanding with all those interceptions. Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett. Um, Jeremiah Usukoromoa can step up if he needs to when he's not injured also. I mean, Devion Cloudy got to kind of stay out of our mouth. But, I mean, he played decent this year. Who else did I not name? They named Delphit. You know, obviously, I, I think yeah. the inside linebackers, I think, you know, and I, overall the linebackers, I thought, Okay, you have a couple guys. I think what's going to happen, and and you tell me what you think about this. They're going to change a couple personnel guys, especially up front. They need some defensive tackles for sure. They, I think, oh, yeah. in a lot of games, and you saw it too. Teams were basically just taking the ball, running up the middle, running off tackle, and and just wearing us down towards the end of the game. We need some bigger linebackers to to handle that, and some defensive tackles that could stop the run. And if you do that then it's going to make Miles Garrett and whoever the heck you have on the other side of the ball, you know, as the other end, they'll be successful with pass rushing. And that's the key to the, to the defense's pass. Rush. I think for sure. I mean, I also forgot to say his name. I thought, uh, the, yeah, Jones, we picked him up. He was stepping up decently. I mean, for, yeah. for his age, I thought he was playing great. Um, I think you know, the problem is we need to draft someone. We definitely need to draft someone, but the problem is we don't have any, we don't have draft. Just like the Cavs, we don't, we can't draft anyone because of going out for Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. No, you're right. It's you don't have any draft capital. Yeah, I think your first pick is later on in the second round, so you yeah. can get some quality players, but you're not yeah. going to get a total impact, game changing guy so far. So seven and ten. I mean, obviously we've seen schedules and things like that. Many different things have to go into effect. I would be upset if this team didn't make the playoffs this year, next year. That's kind of where I'm at. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'll actually, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I think I really would be. I mean, just to how much we've just went through. I mean, every like all the changes we made, everything, and we wouldn't make that, especially going out that far to Sean Watson and him not leading us to the to to the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, yeah, that I would be pretty bad. What is your thoughts on Baker Mayfield? He starts with the Browns, gets traded, goes to Carolina, gets cut. Then he goes to the Rams, has a couple successful games. Yeah. Overall, he played decent. What's his next step? What what is what does he do? It really is a good question. I mean, he's all over the board at this point. I mean, he's just the thing is is really that any team can agree with him, and that's one of the biggest reasons why we got rid of him in Cleveland. It's his attitude. His attitude is not the best, especially in the locker room, the players or whatever. And that's why teams don't want him. I really don't think he's what people can say he is, and I really think he has that talent in him. It's just he's up and down. He just one game like against like like against the Rams, like his first game on the Rams, or like again when he when they played the Broncos, yeah. he played absolutely outstanding. In other games, he just did not play good. I'm I'm interested. I mean, do you, from what you saw with the Rams and some of the things you talked about, I think are hundred percent correct. And I think people had a different thought process and persona about him after what he did with the Rams. I mean, he walked in there. He didn't know any plays. They were telling him the plays and where guys are supposed to line up. 
during the game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I once again, many people hate him. I don't hate him. I mean, I, I respect him. He is a little bit of a smaller yeah. guy. I, I think he does have a big heart. and He wants to play. I don't know about his whole marketing thing. Do you think someone tries to make him a franchise quarterback or do you feel as though he's going to kind of bounce around like we're seeing right now? No, I think it's going to be something like Jacoby Brissett, like what he's doing with the, or like Teddy Bridgewater. He's, he's going to be that guy. That's going to be that second string, but you're going to see him on a bunch of teams until he gets old. And I don't think he's going to be a franchise guy for anyone anymore. I would love to see it. I would, you know, if Oh no. Yeah, be, definitely. Know, if it's, I, I can't even name the different teams. I mean, obviously I don't think it's going to be with the Rams. I mean, obviously he could stay there as a backup, but I mean, certainly they have their quarterback until he decides yeah. that he's going to retire. So yeah. We'll see. All right. Good discussion on the Browns. Good discussion on the Cavs. We'll wrap up with this. Tell me about uh, Colin Forgosh's basketball extravaganzas. Tell me about your team and let's, let's hear some stats. The, the fans at home want to know what your stats are and what you've been up to when it comes to your sports. Okay, right, so team-wise, we're two and five. We're having a bit of a rocky year. Okay. We got two games left until our tournament. I feel like there's just been a lot of things, like, funniest part is we always like to say it, but it's like shots just are not knocking down for us, but it's every game. The shots just feel like are not going. I don't know. I just feel like we're just having a rough year. I mean, sure. I, I, don't, I don't think – I don't think I, I mean I'm not trying to boast or anything. I don't think I'm playing that bad. I'm probably having like averaging like seven points a game, like ten rebounds. That's good. Like yeah, my sister, okay. Well, you mentioned before we started here, you had a you had one really good game. You also had a triple double. Is that correct? What'd you have? Yeah, I um yeah, well, I almost had a triple double. The game that we had, um, I had nine points, uh, ten rebounds, seven assists. Really bad because I could have had that double double when I was one for four on free throws. Oh man, that charity <laughs> stripe will get you. Charity stripe will get you. Well, at least yeah. you know what you have to work on. So yeah, that's good. Well, Colin, thanks for the time. Great sports update. Once again, yep. we have a lot of people that like to get your opinion. Want to have you back on? I think we'll probably talk probably sometime in uh, towards the middle to end of February. It'll be I, after the all-star break. It'll be after the trade deadline. Uh, we'll talk some more calves. And then obviously I don't think free agency will start right away for the NFL, but I think there'll be some things in the mix, but I won't talk to you before then I need a Super Bowl prediction. Who's winning between the chiefs and the wonderful Eagles. And by the way, do you know the defensive coordinator for the Eagles is a St. Ignatius graduate, John Gannon. How about that? I did not know that. And then uh, oh. the head coach uh, went to Mount Union. So there we go. Well, did you know the Kelsey's went to Cleveland Heights? I do. It's the Kelsey Bowl. First time two yes. brothers ever playing each other in a Super Bowl. It's pretty exciting. I love them. They're, yeah, they're pretty well, cool. Well, that's like my, that's like, besides obviously two middle-aged men in Cleveland, that's my oh, favorite sure. podcast to listen Yeah, they to have right a now. great podcast. I will say that. Yes. A couple episodes. Eagles winning. I really don't think that's a question. I think it's going to be a good game, but you know, I don't think there's a, anyone able to change me that the Chiefs will win. I mean, Eagles, Hassan Reddick on defense looking just absolutely insane. Yeah, they ke- they carried that game against, like, Against who do they play? The 49ers. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is looking. I mean, I've said it since like the middle of the season. He is a top five quarterback. He's looking amazing. Miles Sanders looking great. I mean, every he's got hate his entire career and he's finally looking good. Receiving court, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, they're looking good. I mean, I just feel that it's just an all put together team. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, because they had the best record, they tied the Chiefs the best record in the NFL. Both those teams are just they've like they're put together teams. I mean, the Chiefs always will when you're when Andy Reid's your coach. Yeah. But they're just a put together team in general, both of them. Yeah, I I agree. I with think you. the I think the Eagles will pull out. I think so too. I think you're correct. We're on the same page with that. That is that is also my prediction. Well, Mr. Colin Foragach, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the updates. And uh, yeah. keep keep hitting the books. Keep doing well. Oh. Keep getting some rebounds. Get to the charity stripe as well. Can you? <laughs> yes. Let's let's let's, give, let's make some free throws. I do. I do have two shout outs. Oh, please First, go ahead. I got a shout out for Donovan Mitchell for being a starter in the All Star game. Okay. I forgot to say that during the podcast. Um. And also, uh, the first time I came on here, my um, friend was pretty upset. His name's Max Max Brennan. He was upset that he didn't get a shout-out the first time. He is a large Cleveland sports fan, an Ohio State fan. I want to shout him out. All right, Max, you get the shout-out. <laughs> kids talk version with Colin Forgotch. Colin, thank you. Be good. We'll talk soon. Yes. All right, perfect. <laughs> Overachiever Time Ken, a German theater, has the biggest movie screen in the world. The screen at the Tromplust Lennonberg measures 127.2 feet by 68.8 feet. Oh, my gosh. That is 8,770.43 square feet. And that is wider than a Boeing 737 airliners wings was measured by a specialist company using laser sensor technology that allowed them to confirm the screen size with millimeter precision. That was, it sounds like that uh, story was laser focused is what that was. That's amazing. I would love to watch some sort of movie or a game on that type of screen. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? That'd be pretty neat. I hope you don't sit too close. You, you yeah, you'll go blind. Neck problem, yeah. Well, it's uh, February, and it's the shortest month of the year, but that doesn't mean that uh, there's a shortage of things to do in the city of Cleveland. So we've got Jen Brasnovich from Destination Cleveland back with us. Jen, uh, what's going on here in February? I don't think I can top that intro, Ted. That was a pretty impressive line there. Yeah. Uh, no, you are correct. There is no shortage of things to do in Cleveland this February. Um, it is winter. We're a little chilly. We've seen, you know, just a little bit of snow this year. But luckily... Uh, Cleveland is no stranger to snow or cold, so we embrace it, and we've come up with a bunch of ways to keep you busy in the snow and the cold. Um, so let's start with Ice Festival. This is on February 11th down at North Coast Harbor. Who needs a day of fun in the sun when you can have a day of fun in the ice? You know, it's what we're all about here in Cleveland. Uh, it is completely free. It is going to feature a bunch of immersive ice sculptures, some live ice carving demonstrations, um, this year, they're doing their inaugural Cleveland Cocoa Run, which is a 5K run or a 1K walk. You get a free shirt, a finisher medal, and a cup of hot cocoa at the end. So that'll keep you nice and warm here in the winter here in Cleveland. Um, the hot cocoa run, ice bars, food, drink, all of the fun you could possibly think of. 
Um, they're also doing something called Snoga this year, which is outdoor yoga. Um, so I don't know, maybe put on like your fleece lined yoga pants for that one because it sounds a little chilly. Um, so that should be a really fun one too, though, to start off the day. Fire pit s'mores, fire shows to end the day. Um, plenty of fun down there at North Coast Harbor for the whole family. If you have not had enough of outdoor fun yet, uh, bright winter returns to the West, Blank, West Bank of the Flats on February 25th this year. Um, this is that outdoor music festival that happens every year down there at the Flats, right underneath the bridge, um, all about embracing winter in Cleveland. Three stages of live music. There's going to be immersive art installations throughout the festival, local food trucks. Of course, it's not a Cleveland event without some beer tents set up. Um, so that'll keep you warm on the inside and out. Even though it is an outdoor event, there are still some chances to warm up. We're not here to torture you here in Cleveland. There's hot chocolate, fire pits, heated tents where there's going to be some artwork on display. So um, ways to keep you warm, even in the middle of winter. Tickets for that start at $10. Um, anything above $10 that you give and you get some cool, bright winter swag. It is really one of the coolest events that happens here in Cleveland in the winter. And one of the coolest ways that we really embrace winter here in Cleveland. Um, and then, of course, one of my favorite events in Cleveland, Caranta Vanier is back this year in February. I think we talked about this last year, guys. It is the Slovenian festival that chases away winter. So they literally have like these weird, they're called currents. They, they just look like monsters um, who get all dressed up and they have like these bells and chimes and stuff that they use to chase away winter. Um, so it is known as Slovenian Mardi Gras. It takes place in St. Clair Superior. Cleveland is actually home to the highest concentration of Slovenians outside of Slovenia. So you know it's going to be a huge celebration. This year's event kicks off on February 5th with some virtual programming. They have cooking demonstrations, um, Slovenian language classes, some history courses. They have in-person events like um, learning the Slovenian polka and waltz, which, I, which I'm trying to convince some of my coworkers to sign up for me with. <laughs> so that should be fun. Um, and then it all culminates with the current Dash 5K and the Caranta Vanier Parade and Festival on February 18th. That has live music, um, a ton of great ethnic food down there. Of course, a polka band, Chardon Polka Band will be on, on hand to keep everybody dancing the day away. Um, obviously some beer down there as well, kids activities. And uh, my favorite part, there is a bocce tournament that takes place in the basement of the Slovenian National Home every year. Um, thanks to the Cleveland Bocce Club. Shameless plug because I am a member of the Cleveland Bocce Club and Destination Cleveland's team plays on Tuesday nights if you're looking for a good time. <laughs> Ken and Ted. Yeah, that's a lot have, of stuff. Do you guys have Valentine's this year? We have Valentine's every year. <laughs> are you talking about the two of us or with our wives? Like, yeah, like are you two? No. <laughs> do you have Valentine's? Have you bought Valentine's gifts for your wives yet? Are you looking for ideas? I've got what's one. A, for you. What's a what's a Valentine's gift? What's a what's a Valentine, honestly? But what better gift to give your loved ones this Valentine's Day than the gift of beer? You guys oh. know this is my oh, Valentine year. Wow, round. it's it's perfect. Um, Cleveland Brewery Passport just launched for the fourth year. It is Destination Cleveland's program to celebrate the craft beer scene here in Cleveland. Um, so that just launched last month and it is going through the end of the year. So if you are looking for Valentine's Day plans, maybe hit up a few of those breweries, take the Valentine out for dinner, grab a drink, um, wander around Cleveland and explore some more of Cleveland thanks to the Cleveland Brewery Passport. And if you haven't bought a gift yet, when you complete your first check-in on the Cleveland Brewery Passport, you get a free sticker. There you go. 
there's your wow. Valentine's Day gift. Put it okay. in a card. You're all set. Yeah, sticker. A sticker. Jen, that, you're just helping us out in every way possible. We appreciate that. <laughs> By the way, I did download the app for the the brewery passport. I cannot mm-hmm. believe how many breweries are on there. That is crazy. That's just unbelievable. This year, yeah, it's our biggest number yet. Um, so 44 breweries all within 30 miles of downtown Cleveland. So um, a lot, you know, down in the Cleveland neighborhoods, Ohio City obviously has a huge concentration of breweries, um, but a lot of good excuses for people to get out into the suburbs, get out into some of those neighborhoods to experience the breweries out there too. And you'll collect points along the way that you can trade in for prizes. So again, if you're still looking for that Valentine's Day gift, if you visit six breweries before February 14th, you can cash in your points for um, some koozies or coasters. And there you go. Now I've got you all set for Valentine's Day. Now, uh, will you be giving any of these items that you've highlighted for Valentine's Day? No, I'm just hoping to receive them. I'm giving I myself see. the okay. gift of beer for Valentine's just Day. Receive them. Okay. Yeah. I'll be I'll be completing my check-ins to give myself the gift of beer for Valentine's Day. Yourself the gift of beer. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I, uh, I actually have I have another question, Ted, if oh. I could. Oh, yes, I, uh, please. So Ted and I need help as you know, in many different ways. So if with Valentine's Day coming around, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I thought maybe you could direct us. Is there any newer restaurants in the area that you would maybe recommend that Ted and I get a reservation for or check out, maybe to take our Valentine or something like that? Yeah, I cannot guarantee that you will still be able to get a reservation because the two that I'm going to recommend are two of the hottest restaurants in Cleveland right now. So Cordelia down on East 4th Street opened um, mid last year. I was actually just in there uh, about a week ago for a cocktail and it is absolutely beautiful in there. It is such a cool menu, um, just a completely new concept. They're calling it Midwest Grandma. So it's a lot of comfort food with like a modern cool twist on it. But I will give a shout out to the bartenders there. They're absolute magicians. You tell them what you like, they'll make you a drink that goes along with that theme. So that is an awesome stop for you in downtown Cleveland. And then over in Ohio City, um, right next to the West Side Market, Jaja is a new steakhouse that just opened. So that's a little higher end if you're looking for a fancy night out. Um, I have not been there yet, but everyone who has been there, I have heard absolutely incredible things about. It is very beautiful inside. It feels like you're just being transported to a different place. It doesn't feel like you're in Cleveland, especially in the winter. It's got kind of a cool tropical vibe in there. So that's a good stop too. And then I actually really like right next to Jaja, um, Pioneer, which is a camping themed bar. And I like that because I'm kind of outdoorsy. So they have like a cool um, Airstream camper out back that serves drinks and they've got fire pits and everything is very like wood fired and cool down there. So no guarantees, but if you try now, you might still be able to get a reservation for Valentine's Day. Now, Jen, Zsa's, do you have to be divorced multiple times in order to eat there? I don't think so. No, okay. I think they're accepting of all lifestyles there. Okay. Divorced, right. married, sure single, I... <laughs> estranged, okay. whatever. Okay. All right. I just, uh, I just wanted to, uh, just wanted to check on that. All right. Well, plenty of options there, Ken. Uh, I think we're all set. We're in good shape. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Once again, to the rescue. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, guys. Ted, we are out and about in Northeast Ohio. And no, we did not venture out out of anywhere but Northeast Ohio. Had the opportunity to go some great places. Certainly want to give some kudos to these folks. First place was Blue Monkey. 
Have you ever been to the Blue Monkey in North Royalton? <laughs> no. Not sure why you're laughing. Blue Monkey. It's a brewery. It's actually pretty good. It's, okay. it's kind of hard to find. It's in a plaza. But uh, the beers were, were good. The uh, place inside was very nice. We had a very nice time. Then we went right, right across the street to the Sip and Post. Did I ever take you to the Sip and Post from your days of working some PA at Padua Franciscan? Did you ever do that? I feel like we've been there. It's a great place. I mean, it's cheap beers, good food, all that. So highly recommend that. Then we had a gift card. I repeat, we had a gift card to go to Alicia. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Alessia's Tavern of Richfield in Richfield, oh, Ohio. Have you been the there? Tavern of Richfield. Is that the, the, the original Tavern the original, of Richfield? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know over. that I I don't know that I ever been was, was there, but boy, I how many times did you hear Howie Chiswick and Joe Tate talk about the Tavern of Richfield? Oh, my gosh. It was great. It's very nice. We had a very nice time. Good food, great drinks. It was wonderful. I, I highly recommend it. And, you know, it's fancy when they have valet. I mean, that's big time. Mm, OK. That's big time. Um, before that, we went to Michael Angelo's Winery, oh. which is also in Richfield. That is the first time I've ever been there. I've had some other wines before. I highly recommend it. Um, the part that was really cool, we actually went for a tasting. I'm not saying I'm cheap, but, you know, always looking to save money where we can. The tasting is $10 a person. Okay. Where you have like, I don't know, you're supposed to have six. I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I had nine different small little bits of, of wine. So I almost tasted every, every type of wine that they had. It was awesome. The place is beautiful. There's like five or six different buildings. And they're also connected with the group that's the Michelangelo's Bakery. So they have their own bakery there. I mean, it's they're doing pretty well. So I would highly recommend that. Some of the uh, regular places that we've gone to in the past, Panini's in Westlake, Danny's Deli. You and I had some time there. Um, went for the first time with Eowyn. And as many people know, she's kind of a food connoisseur. And if she says a place is good, then they must be really good. Yeah. We went to the original Pancake House. Have you been there before, Ted? The Pancake in House in the Rocky original Pancake House, yeah, Rocky River, Fairview, whatever you want to call. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I've been there. They have about uh, seventy-two different flavors of pancakes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we we did that. It was awesome. Um, normal routine. Went to the Buckeye Beer Engine as well, and then another place. I don't know if I talked about it before. It's called Sangria in Westlake. Um, very good food. Very good cocktails. It's right on Detroit Avenue, and so. Uh, yeah, it was a big out and about. We did we did a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, besides some hockey, did you have an opportunity to be out and about anywhere? We went to the, what's it called? Every, uh, All Things Mechanical on West okay. 25th. It's a really cool place. Uh, we did, I know this will shock you. This was a team building thing for a hockey team. But they have all these 80s video games. Oh, and that's they're cool. all free. They make their money on the alcohol and the drinks. They have duck pin bowling, which they charge oh. for. And yep. there are some pinball machines and things like that. And But all the video. So I played Asteroids, Space Invaders, Missile Command. You name it. It was, it was what we grew up on. That's cool. Do they have the wrestling game? 
they I didn't see the wrestling read, like the originals with like yeah Ultimate yeah Warrior. no I didn't that see was the always a fun game. one yeah I oh, saw that's cool. I'll a, have to check that place out I saw a football game that had Drew Bledsoe quarterbacking the Patriots oh my god and my oldest son knew who he was I said he, he I said you don't know who Drew Bledsoe is he said yeah he was the quarterback before Tom Brady wow so uh, that's impressive yeah yeah so uh but yeah, it was uh, it was really cool, a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. They do not serve food, but they allow you to bring in food, so you can that's order a pizza or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. Get it delivered. So that's my out and about. I know that's a surprise. Comes relating to hockey. Well, that's great, though. Checking out new places. We recommend everyone else to do that as well. Ted, we're out and about. And we were loving it. Blah 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 Our guest today is a health expert with information about anti-aging, lifestyle interventions, and a a plan involving what he refers to as the four pillars of men's health. So let's talk with Kevin Davis. Kevin. Hey, Ted, thanks for having me on there. Thank you for uh, joining us. So I guess the place to start, uh, what do you do and what are the four pillars of health? Uh, I'm a physician assistant. I've been practicing for uh, over 25 years. I do family practice in Kentucky. And uh, I treat patients from, you know, from birth till, you know, 90 years old. So I see uh, the whole spectrum spectrum of uh, patients. And uh, over the period of time, uh, you know, especially as I get older, I've really found out that, uh, you know, aging does happen. And, um, you know, some things uh, are going to occur, are going to occur, but not necessarily everything has to occur. And, uh, you know, as, as I practice and as I get older, the, uh, the patients that were coming in, you know, 10 or 15 years ahead of me, you know, they kept telling me they didn't feel well, they didn't have energy, they didn't have all this kind of stuff. And I just thought, well, you know, it just their labs are normal. Uh, you do blood work on them, you do work up and everything's fine. But they keep having these problems. And then, you know, as I get into my 40s and 50s, uh, you know, I start experiencing some of the same things. So there has to be something to it. And that led me into the longevity and to developing my four pillars of health. Uh, the four pillars of health are really easy. It's diet, exercise, uh, sleep, and prayer. And uh, I think you have to have all four of these uh, to have truly a, a good basis for your health. And uh, this is what I always refer back to uh, talking with, uh, you know, no matter who it is or what kind of problem it is, we have to have these four things in place before we progress to better health. Kevin, this is really great stuff. These, this kind of hits home for me. So obviously I'm in the process of trying to lose some weight. I'm, you know, past mid 40 and obviously understand the exercise and certainly understand the diet. But the part that I think a lot of people really don't think about, and obviously if you can talk about this a little bit more is the sleep part that Mm -hmm. your body needs more sleep. I was diagnosed with sleep apnea not that long ago. And so I use, you know, a sleep apnea machine and it's like, it's kind of changed my life. Can you talk about the importance of sleep when you mentioned, you know, as that is one of the four pillars? Sure. Uh, I actually have a client right now that uh, is experiencing the same thing. I've been working with him for probably about four months now. And, um, 
you know, at the beginning, I take a, you know, extensive intake as far as a history on somebody. And uh, I, I kind of told him that sleep is probably your issue. And, you know, he didn't believe me. So these other three pillars were really getting on track. He's exercising, he's doing the programs, he's following what I'm telling him to eat, uh, taking time for a prayer, meditation. But he just, he, he, you know, there's just that one thing that's not getting him to the results, and it's his sleep. And it all has to do with your physiology. It all has to do with what's happening with your body. And that's the thing with most people, even whether you're trying to lose weight or gain energy, you got to look at the physiology behind of why someone's having these symptoms. So let's just take sleep, like uh, the things that you're talking about. Well, what, what happens when you when you don't sleep, um, and this is one of the uh, drivers of chronic disease, is uh, your body gets inflamed. And what I mean by that is there's this hormones called cortisol, and cortisol is your stress hormone. So your cortisol is supposed to go down at nighttime. And uh, what happens is when you're not sleeping, especially if you've had sleep apnea like yourself, can. Uh, your body gets stressed out. And when your body gets stressed out, it releases this cortisol. Well, you know, what happens when you release this cortisol? Well, your blood sugar goes up. So you, when, when you're stressed, your blood sugar goes up. So what happens after that is your insulin level goes up because when your blood sugar goes up, your insulin has to take care of the excess blood or blood sugar and put it into your muscle cells, fat cells, liver, wherever it may be. So when you have increased cortisol, it releases, it causes more uh, sugar in your, or glucose in your blood, which causes more insulin to be released. And the, the term that I want you to associate uh, high insulin with or with insulin is fat storage. So if you have high insulin levels, you're going to store more fat. If you have low insulin levels, you're not going to store as much fat. So going back to your sleep, if you have sleep apnea and you're constantly waking your body up and you're constantly getting these surges of cortisol, you're getting these surges of glucose, which is causing surges of insulin and uh, ha having hyperinsulinemia, which just means chronic elevated uh, levels of insulin. Uh, that's one of the things that we look at for chronic disease. So people who have sleep apnea, the reason, one of the reasons that they have a shorter life period is because they got this hyperinsulinemia, which kind of cascades to other effects like diabetes uh, and possibly to early uh, dementia, like Alzheimer's or leads to, to uh, high blood pressure. So if, you, if you're doing everything right, if you're eating what you're supposed to be eating, you're exercising your prayer, but you're not getting your sleep, then, you know, you're going to have this uh, driver of chronic disease occurring throughout the night. The other thing on, uh, that happens is if you're not sleeping, there's so many things that happen with your body during the nighttime. And one of those things is like increasing the release of testosterone and uh, growth hormone. So if you're not sleeping, you're not getting these surges that your body is supposed to be producing. And that can have effects down the road as well, too. If you just have one night of sleep, uh, it actually can... Uh, one week of uh, abnormal sleep, they've done a study, I don't have it here in front of me, in, in college-age kids, they had a blood profile that was consistent with a pre-diabetic, and these kids were normal, and that's just one week of not sleeping well. So you can see how important that is, if you're going to build your health, you got to build it on the right pillars and make sure everything's working the way it should. That's really good information, Kevin. Um, to go along with that, and Kev, or Ted, I'll ask another quick question, then sure. you can ask one. So 
what goes along that, I guess I'll just put it specifically to myself. So part of what I have to do, you talk about exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly for exercise, in order for me to properly sleep, I need to have exercise throughout the day and obviously watch my diet with not too much caffeine and things like that. Kevin, in your thought process, when you, you know, everyone's diet could be different because everyone's body's different. Shortly, I mean, what do you think diet wise people should be looking at and what should, should they be doing as one of your four pillars? Well, and, and, and I'm glad you pointed out because everybody's different. Um, people know me a lot for a ketogenic diet because I actually wrote a book on it about five years ago on a ketogenic diet. And I still think it's a great diet, but not necessary for everyone. Um, um, I'm more of a functional medicine approach now to where I kind of like trying to individualize uh, someone's diet. And that can be based on blood work and genetics and things like that. So the diet is, is going to be different for everybody. But the things that, that you can take away from this, it don't matter what diet you want to be uh, talking about, whether it be paleo, uh, keto, carnivore, no matter what it is, you can't have processed foods and you can't have excess sugar. No matter, no matter what diet you're on, if you have those type of things, you're not going to have the health. So, you know, if you, if you just take it from that, and a lot of people, if I can, it, no matter if they're going to be high carb, low carb, no, no matter what that is, if I can just get them off processed foods and sugar, they're going to get 70% better on their own. And then we kind of dial it in from there. So when I look at the diet, that's where we start is, you know, getting rid of the low hanging fruit as far as the things that we need to get rid of and going more towards a like a whole food approach now. And that can include different macros that you're talking about. But a whole food approach is something that I think of is, you know, if God made it, you can eat it. If, if God didn't make it, then it's probably not the best thing to eat. For instance, you know, uh, you can go get eggs from nature. Uh, you can go pick an apple. Uh, you can go, uh, you know, uh, kill a chicken and, you know, have chicken wings or whatever it may be. But you can't really go out in nature and you go get spaghetti. Spaghetti is a processed food. You can't get, to, uh, you know, spaghetti sauce. It's processed food and it's full of sugar. So if you, if you can just take that and if you can incorporate like 90% of your meals uh, with those type of uh, parameters, you're going to be a way ahead of the ballgame. So that, that's an easy way to get started with this. So, Kevin, when we talk about diet and sleep and all these different, you know, uh, prayer, meditation, all these different things, one of the things that uh, frequently guys run into, well, you know, I work, I'm a parent. If there were 30 hours in the day, mm-hmm. I would be able to do every one of these things. So how do you approach, how can someone fit some of these things in, in a, what, what might be an otherwise, uh, for lack of a better term, hectic or busy lifestyle? Yeah, I get that a lot, uh, especially the people that I coach uh, online usually are people who are, are high executives or entrepreneurs or professionals. So, and I'm in that category as well, too. So, you know, uh, uh, I'm busy. I've got a lot of things going on. But it's just like with math, if you're trying to do a budget, uh, you don't get a pass on your math. And in the end, you don't get a pass on your health. So what I try to do, and I actually had another conversation with another client this week. And uh, 
you know, he, he told me, he goes, we don't really talk a whole lot uh, uh, anymore about health. It's, it's more about my lifestyle, my decisions, and my whys. And I find, you know, after we start down a road with somebody, then we start figuring out what their why is. And, you know, one of the things I had actually in the morning, this morning in the clinic, I uh, had a gentleman and, you know, uh, he was in his 50s. He uh, has high blood pressure, had high cholesterol. He smokes. His dad, I think it was in five years of his age, had a heart attack and passed away. So the the question I asked him is, do you, do you have grandkids? And he did. He had a four-year-old granddaughter. So I said, do you want to see her grow up and, and go through high school and graduate? And he said, yeah. I said, well, if you're at your rate you're going right now, your chances are, are declining every year that you continue doing the things that you're doing. So, you know, the, the information is out there. You know, uh, I don't have a corner on sleep. I don't have a, a, a corner on diet. I don't have any of that. But I think where the, the problem is, is it's not just necessarily a lack of information, even though I do find that because people get confused with so many recommendations, but it's being able to be accountable and to figure out what your why is. And then you're going to be able to uh, make those tough decisions. You know, um, we all have 24 hours in the day. You know, how do you spend them? Are you watching TV sometimes? You know, uh, are you on your phone, you know, browsing? You know, there's some probably uh, within a, within a day's time, there's probably an hour that we could probably carve out and do some things. But you have to you have to kind of want to do that. And that's what's the difference between a lot with what I, with what I coach online and with my patients at my clinic. Um, they both get the same information. But the thing that I find with the coaching online is people are paying for this the service. And they tend to listen a little bit better because they have that desire. I have a lot of people in the, in the clinic that I've been talking to for 10 years, but I can't go home with them every day and cook their food and, you know, make them get out of bed and, and do some exercising or, or whatever it may be. But when they find that their why is there, um, then, you know, it really does make a difference. And one of the approaches that I think, you know, we're talking about the, uh, you know, it's a new year, January, 2023. And so many people have made resolutions, you know, to make the, all these big changes. You know, they want to change their whole life, you know, uh, overnight. So I approach it a little bit differently. Uh, what I want to know is when I sit down with somebody is what's the minimum you can do? If if you were so busy and you, you had work, you had family obligations, you had some meetings, whatever it may be, what's the minimum? We'll take exercise, for example. What's the minimum exercise you can do? And what I mean by that is if you can just do one push-up, do one push-up. And what that ha what happens is over time, when people are, are becoming somebody different, and if you start committing to yourself, just you're going to exercise every day, and it may just be one push-up, but on those days that you, you have more time, you know, you can do more than that. You can have a whole workout. But if you, if you start making those little changes and you become 1% better each and every day, and you do one more each and every day, then over a period of time, it's going to change. It, become, it changes who you are on the inside. Very good. Very good. Well, excellent information, Kevin. We appreciate your time. If uh, folks want to learn more about you, get more information about you, your services, uh, et cetera, where can they find you? I just go to kevindavishealth.com. Um, I have uh, YouTube. I have a podcast. I have some. I, I wrote some books. Uh, got some planners and different things. But they can all find that. It's an easy place to go to. 
And, um, you know, if they want to reach out to have a discussion, I'd, I'd love to have a discussion with them. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, giving us kind of an overview of uh, some of these things that obviously need to be, uh, I'm sure, more top of mind for most of us guys than uh, they probably are. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Here we go, Ken. A British woman just celebrated her 100th birthday, Olive Westerman. Used to work as a writer and travel clerk. She said she was lucky to have enjoyed a happy marriage. This was the interesting thing. When asked uh, what her most memorable tip for longevity was, she said, avoid talking to strange men. <laughs> okay. That's it. I like so, uh, happy 100th, Olive. Don't don't keep don't talk to strange men, Ken. I don't think uh, I think uh, your wife and my wife have already uh, failed on that particular. I would think so. Yeah. Yes, yes. A high school in Massachusetts is hoping that they'll be able to turn off their lights by the end of next month. Next month, a computer glitch has kept the lights on there for 24 hours a day. For a year and a half, <laughs> school leaders at Minichong Regional High School say there has been no way to turn off the lights aside from unscrewing each and every bulb or flipping circuit breakers, leaving entire building sections dark. The assistant super of, superintendent, of, superintendent of finance acknowledged the cost to taxpayers but said the 7,000 lights run into the thousands per month, not the 10,000. No, it's only thousands. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah, no big deal. Couldn't have get that, gotten that fixed sooner? I nope. don't know. Let it run 24 hours a I day. Think, uh, I think that school board might be, uh, see some change here soon. There could be a little bit of change there. That's a possibility. Cops in Rockford, Illinois, looking for 23-year-old Dion Howard. He is accused of stealing a funeral home van with a body inside. Oh, boy. A day after the van was stolen from the Collins and Stone funeral home, police found the van in the 1400 block of East 87th Street in Chicago. The body of 47-year-old Curtis Brown was not in the van, later found a couple miles away in the 8200 block of South Manistee Avenue. Body here, van here. Oh, my. When caught, Howard will face charges of unlawful possession of a stolen vehicle and abuse of a corpse. How about that? That is, it's ridiculousness. <laughs> Mr. That's, Howard, you're, that's you're struggling. That's why it's here. Ridiculousness. That's why it's in this, in this segment. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be stealing vehicles. But then if you discover that there's a dead body in there, maybe find another van to steal. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it. I don't know. Uh, obviously, and you're the, you're, if you're in that mentality, you're not thinking straight as it is. So, no. Yeah, very true. Sports, college hoops, Duquesne, Loyola going at it in Pittsburgh. And in the second half, somebody ordered a McDonald's through Uber Eats, apparently, because... Uh, <laughs> We can tell this because the delivery driver just walked into the arena and right out of the court 
during play. A uh, referee shooed the guy off the court. The guy eventually did find the hungry customer. By the way, Duquesne won that game 72-58. to Good for Keith Dambrot. Maybe that's something that he decided to do as like a distraction. A little distraction Have Somebody ordered some food from Uber Eats and yeah. find a way to win. Congrats, Coach Dambrot. Next, next time I go to a, an Eagle, AU Eagle game, I'll, I'll order Uber Eats and tell <laughs> sitting next to Al King at half court. Oh, my gosh. I'm sitting between Dusty Sloan and Al King. Come in front of the benches and deliver it near the substitution desk. I can just dress up and pretend I'm like an Uber guy. There you go. We should do that. We don't even have to spend money. I'll just dress up. I like that. All right. There you go. I'm Ted Klopp. That's news to me. You. Time for our Cleveland sports history segment. That means we're going to bring in Dusty Sloan, our sports historian. And Dusty, today, want to talk to you about a very interesting time for the Cleveland Cavaliers during their miracle of Richfield time. They had a victory. It was uh, January 24th, 1976. The Cavs had a huge margin of victory against the Milwaukee Bucks, 132 to 89. What can you tell us about that game? What can you tell us about that team? Well, as all Cavs fans remember, even the younger ones, I'm sure they brushed up on the history. One of the greatest Cavs teams of all time, certainly the one in the early part of the Cavs tenure, obviously expansion team in 70 by 75, 76, like you said, the miracle of Richfield team. And in this game, the Cavs had six players in double figures and they had three players with at least 20 points. It was a very balanced victory in, over the Bucs. Campy Russell had 22. Jim Clemens and Jim Brewer each had 20. Jim Jones and Roland Garrett each had 15. And Foots Walker had 11. So it kind of shows you how much balance and talent that Miracle of Richfield team had. Now, Dusty, back in uh, that time period, scoring 132 points, correct me if I'm wrong, not as common as it is today. Am I right on that? Well, not on that night, because as I'm looking at the screen here and on the games of January 24th, Portland beat Golden State 125-123 in overtime. Philly beat Atlanta 130-116. to The Knicks beat the Pistons 117-100. But you're right, Ted, there are, obviously it was not the proliferation of points on the whole as you see right now. But yeah, the Cavs obviously had that ability because that night, obviously so many players played or scored so many points. And it, and it obviously helped at that time when you're talking about 75-76. Not every team had as much depth as the Cavs did that year, which is why it's kind of disappointing that after the Miracle of Richfield, they couldn't go on and win the NBA championship. Well, one thing to remember about scoring that many points, which I think is extremely impressive, there's no three-point line. I mean, exactly. everything is, is a single basket. That's the part that's just absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Dusty, as you look at – as you look at that team, and I, I just looked at a couple quick things because uh, that's a for many different Clevelanders, that's a very special team. You know, you remember Joe Tate kind of got started with the Cavs at that time, so remember some of the calls that he made. I just looked at you know some different stats. Here's the part that is very impressive: the Cavs that year had five players that played 82 games. Huh. I mean, that's can you just think about that now? You know, you have. Many games in the NBA now where the guys are taking a, you know, quote unquote day off. 
But Jim Brewer, Jim Clemens, Jim Jones, Dick Snyder, and Campy Russell all played 82 games. Now, there's four guys that, in my opinion, are slackers on this team. Bingo Smith and Butch huh? Walker, they only played 81. Yeah. So <laughs> they really need to pick it up. And then Austin Carr and Nate Thurman only played 65. And if I'm not mistaken, that's a lot of games for two guys that were hurt. So obviously the game has changed dramatically, but the, the ability for these guys to play a lot, Dusty, w- was probably the key to their success. Exactly. And there was no such thing as load management back in the mid seventies. <laughs> so yeah, you have seven guys in the rotation that played either every game or, or every game, but one, you had nine guys who played at least 65 games. So when you have that, as we always say, your best ability is availability. And that team had it. Load management. That's what Ted asked about for the podcast. <laughs> and I said, no, you gotta, you gotta fire through buddy. You gotta make it. <laughs> well, Dusty, Great information. A very special team back in January 24th, 1976, as the Cavs had one of their biggest margins of victory, 43 points over the Milwaukee Bucks, 132 to 89. Thanks again, Dusty. You bet. Cleveland! This is for you! Oh, no, not a dad joke. Hey, Ted. Yeah. When two vegans get in an argument, is it still called a beef? That joke was horrible. Wrapping up episode 107. Kind of ironic that it is 107, considering who our guest and our next show is, Ken. Do you think we did that on purpose? I don't even, I, we didn't even try to do it like that, did we? <laughs> I think if anybody try. thoughts thinks we did this on purpose, they're giving us way too much credit. Well, Ted, I'll let you introduce who we're going to have on. Oh, you my gosh. Put in the legwork to do this, and it should be probably one of the best interviews we've ever had on our show. And that says a lot because we've had some really good ones. We are going to talk to legendary Cleveland radio personality Jeff Kinsbach, former host and WMMS of the Buzzard Morning Zoo back in the 80s and early 90s, the uh, – Top of the charts uh, morning show, and I believe they were ranked the station best station in the nation at one point. Uh, yeah, instrumental right. in in helping get the rock hall here. Um, so he's going to join us to reminisce about his career in radio, getting to WMMS, and then what he's been up to since WMMS. He did not. Uh, by any means, fade into the woodwork. He worked down in Akron, and we'll talk to him about that. And uh, he just recently retired. We'll tell you, at least he retired from from uh, tra- uh, regular broadcasting. But we'll uh, we'll find out what he's up to now. But Jeff Kinsbach, the Buzzard Morning Zoo, and they used to be on 100.7 WMMS. So when I saw episode 107, that's... Uh, that's pretty ironic. That is outstanding. I think the one thing we have to ask, it's either yourself or I, and people will remember this name. You need to ask about Mr. Leonard. <laughs> Maybe we can. Where, is Mr. Leonard even real? Is yeah. that, was that a real person? I, I would love to know that. I heard that name so many times when my dad was driving me to school and doing all that. I was just like, and I would hear him on the air. But I, I need to know this. We we have to write this down and ask Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. yeah. I'm going to make a note here, and we'll ask 
Is Mr. Leonard real? And if so, where is he now? That'd be great. And our listeners probably enjoy that too. Anybody who, if you heard that show, you will love this interview, I'm sure. And if you didn't hear the show because you were too young, not around yet, boy, did you miss out on one of the great morning shows of all time in Cleveland radio. It's cool for us. I mean, let's be honest. We, we, being in, you know, students of media, going to school. I mean, there's people we obviously looked up to. I mean, if if you didn't look up to to Jeff and Ed Flash Ferentz, you know, with their show, I mean, that was that was it. And, you know, and radio's yeah. changed and we'll probably have a discussion about that, too. But gosh, that was such a big deal. You know, listen to the token joke in the morning and all that other stuff. That was that was just a cool time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Jeff. That'll be cool. I wonder if we could get him to blow something up. Oh, <laughs> and I have a feeling we wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to do that now. No, I'm just probably not. Wow. Little, 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 little political incorrectness. Yeah. At least back then didn't hurt anybody. Nowadays, it's a whole different not world. Seen that. Yeah. Well, Ted, great stuff. Great show this week. My gosh. And we did have a lot of Cleveland stuff. Hats off to all our Cleveland guests, Dusty Sloan, John Grabowski obviously destination Cleveland. And uh, once again, just a a wonderful opportunity to hear what's going on. Anything exciting going on for you this week? Uh, I am headed to Florida for a trade show. Oh, look at you. I am so excited. Are you in Orlando? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to my wife and I said, uh, I said, where are you going this week? She said, crazy. I said, you know where I'm going this week? And I won't repeat what she said to me at that. Point. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep it PC here. So, <laughs> oh my. Well, Ted, I hope you have a great trip. Look forward to catching up in a couple of weeks. Maybe you have some out and about stuff for us. I'm in, sure uh, I will. Florida. That'll be great. That'll be great. Well, until then, just as a reminder to all our fans, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.